Hello, everyone, and welcome to GivePod, Greater Vancouver's business podcast. I'm Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. This is the first episode in our new series, The R Word. In a trend we are seeing around the world, inflationary pressures have forced central banks to increase interest rates, and markets are waiting to see how far they'll go in an effort to engineer a soft landing and avoid a recession. So real estate has always been a useful bellwether of what is happening in the broader market. And joining me today to discuss the trends that he's following is BC Real Estate Association Chief Economist Brendan Ogmanson. Welcome, Brendan. Nice to see you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So real estate in Vancouver, it is always a hot topic. It's at the dinner table. It's at cocktail parties. It is on everybody's minds and everyone has an opinion. So you've been working in the industry for well over a decade. Let's talk a little bit first about what your experience has been like and give you a chance to introduce yourselves to those who are listening in. Sure. Yeah. So I've been with uh, with the BC Real Estate Association since 2010. Uh, so we've certainly seen some some ups and downs in the housing market. Uh, it's never been boring. I always say I've been waiting uh, my whole career for just one really boring year where you know we just have normal sales and prices grow with inflation. <laughs> that would be perfect. That's my dream scenario. Maybe one day we'll get it. Uh, but you know, so far the last the last decade have been uh, pretty challenging. Uh, we've had you know everything from you know uh, uh, markets that are rising forty percent uh, uh, year over year to you know a global pandemic and, and and getting through that. So it's 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 been a roller coaster. But for many people, uh, including myself, we have been beneficiaries of the market continuing to rise and go up and up. And I think there was maybe a bit of a false thought or false perception that real estate is going to continue to rise. Uh, and and maybe it will. But, you know, when we look at the impact over the last three years of the pandemic, what have you seen like the kind of um, consequences of the pandemic on BC real estate? It's really interesting um, if, if we we look back and, and again, even going back before I started in real estate, how resilient the housing market has has been. So, if you really just zoom out, um, you know, we had a financial crisis, we had you know, so we had a recession, we had several rounds of of macro prudential tightening uh you know or, you know mortgage mortgage credit got much you know harder and harder to to get mm-hmm. we've had foreign buyers taxes and then we had a global pandemic uh and you know the trend for home prices were of course going to always have ups and downs has been strongly up during all of that so it's a very resilient market um not to say that we haven't had really challenging periods and I think we're, we're heading into one now. The pandemic was fascinating because it really um, um, put to the test some some narratives about the Vancouver market, especially. So, you know, pre-pandemic, there was a very strong feeling by a lot of people in the housing, you know, whether government officials, the media, uh, you know, politicians, some some market analysts, that the Vancouver market was primarily driven by whether you, first it was foreign investment and then foreign capital. Uh, maybe immigration, whatever it was. Uh, and it's not often in macroeconomics that we get natural experiments. We can't just turn off sectors of the economy and see what happens. Uh, but that's exactly what happened during the pandemic. We shut the borders and we closed off uh, foreign investment and immigration, basically, you know, on our, our lab dials, mm-hmm. turn those down to zero. And if your idea 
uh, was, if your hypothesis was that foreign capital and foreign investment were the main drivers of, of the housing market, and you just called the ball in the air, you would have thought this housing market is going to really suffer in 2021, 2020. And instead, we got the exact opposite. We had record high home sales, record high home prices. We've been saying this for years that uh, those aren't the main drivers of the market. You know, things like interest rates are primarily mm -hmm. the biggest factor. The economy is a big factor. Demographics are a big factor. And supply is a really big factor. And, you know, thankfully, after we you know had this very unfortunate natural experiment, I think most people are coming around to that idea. Well, and if you look back to the beginning of the pandemic, um, there was a lot of different factors. People were perhaps finding bigger houses to live in because we were all staying at home and looking at one another and thinking, I need more space. People were finding uh, new markets to to move to. So a lot of movement in the market. But as you said, interest rates played a huge, huge role in all of this. So it was only less than a year ago, it was in March of 2022, where the Bank of Canada started hiking interest rates. And just recently, we had our economic outlook forum. And so we had former Bank of Canada Governor Stephen Paulos, uh, both Stephen and uh, J.F. Perot were both speaking about what they're seeing in the data they're watching, and some growing uh, thought that we could start to see a drop in interest rates, if not later this year, maybe early in next year. So what is the data you're watching and and how can we prepare for what's to come in the next year, given the importance of real estate in, in our economy? So there is a, a very broad based idea among economists that we're going to have a recession in 2023. Uh, and if we do and things play out the way they normally do in recessions, that will mean you know growth slows down, grows negative for a few months or a couple quarters. Uh, inflation comes back down to normal and the Bank of Canada can start uh, taking its break, uh, its foot off the brake and, and rates can come down. You know, mortgage rates, because they trade off of, of bond yields, always come down in anticipation of the Bank of Canada cutting rates. So we're already starting to see fixed rates come down. They, they seem to have peaked in around November at five and a half percent. So we're watching that very closely. If five-year fixed rates keep coming down as as we've been seeing over the past, the past two months or so, uh, and that continues uh, uh, throughout the rest of the year, we could have five-year fixed rates uh, on average below 5% by the end of this year, that will help a recovery in the housing market. I don't think the Bank of Canada is going to do a hard pivot and start cutting rates maybe until first quarter of 2024, I think is, is, is more likely really need to see inflation back below target probably before they start, they start cutting rates. So uh, not as much relief on the variable side, but you know, generally, you know, if we have a, you know, we, we actually just published a piece uh, on, you know, the performance of the BC housing market in past recessions and what it shows is because the resale market is so interest rate sensitive, you you know it, it reacts almost immediately to to an increase in interest rates. And we saw that in in February, sales prices all all coming down from, from their peak. The rest of the economy it usually takes about a year to a year and a half before rising, uh, you know, tightening by the Bank of Canada really impacts the wider economy, which is why all those calls for recessions are in reaction to what the Bank of Canada did mm -hmm. last year. We expect growth is going to slow in the first half, you know, middle of 2023. 
but yeah, but the but the the resale market's very rate sensitive. So what we tend to find with past recessions is home sales fall and then actually start to recover about two or three months into a recession. And it's not it's not magic. It's because rates come down and then we're and then we see a response uh, to housing. So if things play out the way we expect and the way it has in the past, rates come down. We'll see a recovery in the housing market probably in the second half of this year. So this is the piece I think that you wrote a couple of weeks ago where you're seeing a cyclical bottom or nearing a cyclical bottom. And so talk to us then about the impact on the greater economy of our region and what that means. Of, of the housing market and housing mm-hmm. market recovery. Yeah, exactly. Generally, a lot of it's a confidence kind of thing. And you know, there is like a wealth effect from you know when prices are rising, people spend more money. When people are uh, are buying homes, they also uh, um, spend on a lot of other kind of economic activity. You go out and buy new furniture. You might have some renovations done. So a lot of what happens in the housing, the resale housing market, tends to spill out into the wider economy. So generally, what we see first is the resale market recovering, and then the wider economy starts to recover. And a lot of that is from just more confidence. If you you're you know, you're checking home prices as people often do on on MLS or, or on Zillow or whatever. Their seat prices are have have rebounded or at least have, are not falling. You know, you're well, you kind of get those sort of wealth effects. People feel more confident in spending, more confident in the economy. And also, you know, maybe they're they, when lending rates come down, um, maybe they're doing more things like renovations or making purchases like furniture and that kind of stuff when they buy a new home. So there's all that spin-off activity from the resale market that can really help drive a uh, driver recovery. You know, our members, uh, and we have over 5,000 members from every sector and industry and from the largest employers in the region to the micro entrepreneurs. So really a a very uh, diverse cross-section of businesses. But, you know, again and again over recent months and years, our members are saying that affordability in this region is one of their biggest challenges when it comes to attracting and retaining talent. And affordability is so closely linked then with the housing market. Do you see this recovery happening across all the kinds of housing or is it going to lead, will it lead the way, maybe will condos lead the way or single family homes? Like, how are you seeing this play out? Really interesting because the the parts of the market that have been the hardest hit are really single family homes. So the most expensive part of the market is where we've seen prices decline more uh, and, and, and expensive, you know, larger homes in like the Fraser Valley and, and Chilliwack and, you know, places like kind of outside mm-hmm. of major metro areas where that really got bit up by the pandemic. As you were saying, everyone during the pandem- pandemic wanted square footage, wanted space. That space was more affordable in the Fraser Valley than in Vancouver. So we saw, you know, homes, home prices driven up really rapidly there. So with the adjustments we're seeing are mostly in those areas. And if you look at like Vancouver, you know, city of Vancouver, Metro Vancouver condos, prices haven't come down that much. So the affordability, you know, is the the, the trade-off between you know, prices down maybe 10% from where they peaked, but mortgage costs way, way up uh, and stress tests really, really difficult to pass, especially for uh, first-time home buyers if you're oh, trying to sure. get the market. If you're trying to get in the market as a you know a 30 to 35 year old in like a six hundred thousand dollar condo, you have to have a big down payment. Plus, you have to pass a stress test at you know you know most people in their 30s are just starting out their careers, so that makes it very difficult at those income levels to pass the stress test given where rates are. So, on the affordability side, there's you know there's always two parts to it. You know, there's well three. There's there's prices, there's incomes, and there's rates. You know, if if we're going to have a recession this year, the income side is not going to see a lot of growth. Hopefully we'll see rates come down. I think prices are probably just going to flatten out from where they are now. So affordability is going to be challenging. 
the really, I always kind of say, it, you know, if, if two sort of uh, ideas about affordability, one is the, the, the best we can do um, over the long term is to slow the rate of growth in home prices. So the last like 40 years, we've had something like 6% annual growth in, in prices, uh, obviously ups and downs along the way, but on average, we can't have that. That just compounds too fast and prices prices rise too quickly. Uh, and we, you know, the way we do it too, we have these sort of flat periods and then prices accelerate 25% in a year. And that's really harmful. So we need to make the market more resilient to those sorts of demand shocks. We don't see those accelerations. The second part, if you know, that's what we, we would like to do. Uh, the second thing is if we can invent a time machine and go back 10 years and just build more, <laughs> build more housing a decade ago, well, that would have helped a lot too. And that's just it. You know, when it comes to the supply side, um, that really does have an impact of affordability and the slowing the rate of growth as you're talking about. However, you know, when I think about whether we're going into a recession or it's an economic slowdown, then you've got developers holding off and, and not building because, you know, they've got their own yeah. kind of economic constraints that they're dealing with as well. So you know, it it comes at a time where we ha are in a housing crisis. We need more supply. We've got affordability issues, and then economic constraints. How do you see this playing out on the supply side over the near and medium term? It's extremely difficult because most of our housing is built by the private sector, and the private you know developers are smart. They're not going to build a bunch of units into a market uh, that is slowing down. So what you tend to see during recessions is that you know second phases of projects or projects that were going to get underway get shelved, wait for better market conditions, and that just makes the supply situation even worse. So maybe we need more creative policy, maybe on the financing side, subsidies to be able to build housing, you know, make sure housing can still get built during these downturns. It's it's very it's a very difficult uh, difficult problem that we have overall. We have a very hard time getting supply to the market. And it's, it's funny because if you look at like housing starts have been very, very strong. We are building a lot. So we talk about like we have a supply problem. The big problem is finishing projects and getting them to the market fast. So, you know, what- Permitting, have, licensing, exactly, delay, delay, delay. Exactly. Like yeah. Demand, as we've seen several times in the past decade, demand can change essentially overnight. Supply can take 10 years to get, you know, right? So it's get you know, from- yeah, a developer has an idea, would like to build an apartment building. You know, it might be, you know, five, six, seven years before they actually see that come to fruition. That's really slow given how much demand can change. And right now we have these huge demographic pressures because we have, um, you know, the you know, millennials are the largest cohort, the largest population cohort in, in BC. We have all of these people in their mid thirties that really need homes. We're going to welcome one and a half million new immigrants to, to Canada over the next three years. And we don't have houses, hospitals, schools, daycares. We don't have that kind of social infrastructure to welcome all of those people. Exactly. We haven't really planned for what where we're going to house all of those people. And that's that's in addition to the enormous demographic pressures we already have. So you know, we, we, we have this real problem where we just can't get supply to market fast enough. So we can't match supply and demand. And we get these demand shocks that hit a market that's undersupplied or quickly becomes undersupplied uh, because we have so much demand and prices accelerate and accelerate and accelerate. And the only way, way we can fix that is to get Get, just smooth out that process so that supply can get to the market way, way faster to offset those demand shocks. Uh, as an economist, you've articulated the complexity of the issue beautifully, and it's going to take all levels of government to really tackle this. I sense that there is um, a more focus by all levels of government on this, but you got to be honest that this is not something that can be fixed quickly. 
no, this is again, this is why I used the the, the time machine kind of uh, <laughs> I think we had we we should have started this 10 years ago. And I think yeah. we got policymakers in in BC, but really all across Canada got really sidetracked trying to uh, dampen demand and, and and diagnosing our problems that our market is is primarily being foreign capital and foreign investment instead of a market that just doesn't have uh, supply that gets to market fast enough or, or in in large enough magnitude. Uh, and we got sidetracked looking at, you know, I think, and I think, you know, the people that were pushing those, those policies really believed that these were going to be a fix. So like the, you know, the 2018 30 point housing plan, like I think that was in good faith. I think those uh, policymakers and, and people behind the, those policies really thought that was going to fix our affordability problem. So like, I, I don't fault them necessarily for it, but I think it's, pretty clear that that it was clear to us that wasn't the problem at the time you know we had had a you know obviously a disagreement with with that diagnosis and fortunately now uh you know everyone seems to be reading from the same book and 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 supplies is talked about more than we've ever talked about it you know we heard heard you know politicians in the media talk about it at least over the past several years so that's progress it's just really late yeah and to your point i think you know looking at what government policy at all levels can do so you know, glad to see that uh, at the municipal level, uh, focus on accelerating licensing and permitting and and looking at zoning, but also I think at other levels of government, incentivizing builders to get these things built and to do it at a time of downturn would would start to make an impact. Yeah, what, you know, what we really need is 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 to overbuild, but developers are really good at not overbuilding. Well, because right? that's so... supply and demand right there, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. So. Exactly. You know, you painted a, a bit of a, I think, a stark picture for 2023. I don't want to say um, a dark. Well, let's say stark. Um, I, am, I am an economist, so I have to bring, I have to bring the, <laughs> the pessimism. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're doing your job, Brendan. Uh, but, you know, when you look out on the the maybe beyond the, the medium term and you see beyond when maybe when the Bank of Canada starts to cut rates and things start to normalize a little bit, you know, what gives you some hope and optimism um, in regards to the real estate market for our region and our broader economy? Um, I think one is it is very resilient. We do have a tremendous amount of demand. I think demand's not going to be a problem. 2023 is going to be a slow year as long as rates remain elevated. Um, so it's hard to get, we have all this demand in the market right now. It's just really hard to translate that demand into sales because of the affordability issues, because of the stress test. Um, once we're past this period, once rates come down, you know, the, the bank is, is, is about 200 basis points over where they really want rates to be. So we know rates are going to come down once we have a more normal economy and inflation's back to normal, which I think it will be. Um, then I think we're going to have a, a market that not only is being, being, um, uh, pushed higher by by lower rates, but also all of that demographic pressure, all of the the immigration that we're seeing. It could be you know an extra thirty thousand households in in BC due to that those immigration target increased in immigration targets, like over and above normal immigration. So demand's not going to be an issue. So I think two thousand twenty four we're going to have a pretty strong rebound. It's really on the supply side again. Like, are we going to have enough listings? So in the ownership market where we spend most of our time, you know, analyzing, are we going to have enough listings? to to meet all of that demand if we don't we're going to perhaps be in a situation like we were you know in 2021 maybe not as bad but where we're back to multiple offers and prices are rising at, at a rate that's that's you know not really sustainable and and that that kind of concerns me so classic economist you asked me for some optimism and i gave you some concerns about the future instead but 
Um, yeah, I do think the housing market is going to experience a strong recovery, and the BC economy is 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 going to be going to be in really good shape. You know, after we get through this this uh, this brief period in 2023, but there are still like we haven't fixed any of the structural issues that that are plaguing the the market. So, well, and that's where uh, you know I think our organization um, can can have a role here in really advocating to all levels of government on the supply side to fix some of these structural problems and to start addressing it so that there are solutions in place for the longer term. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us today. BC Real Estate Association Chief Economist, Brendan Ogmanson. Nice to see you today. Thanks. Thank you. 